Hello and welcome to episode 161 of the Mark and Me podcast. As always, I'm your host Mark. Now joining me on today's episode is one of the most beautiful, sincere and genuine guests I've ever had on Mark and Me. It's an absolute thrill to announce I'm joined by the amazing Joe Hartley. We get to sit down and talk all about her experience of working with Ricky Gervais, the absolute genius Shane Meadows, and most recently in the Marley Morrison-directed film Sweetheart, which is out now across all UK and Irish cinemas, and I urge you to go and check it out. It's one of my films of the year, is winning a number of awards, and will leave you with so many feelings and so many emotions, and it captures everything that you want from a family film. It's beautiful, and the director Marley has such an incredible future ahead of them, and Joe's performance in this is phenomenal from start to finish, so I can't wait to share this interview in just a couple of moments' time. But before then, let's touch base and talk about my last episode. I was joined by the amazing Dustin Kensrue, one of the best songwriters, singers and musicians out there, and we got to talk all about what it's like touring with Thrice, the brand new album, and so much more and the response was absolutely incredible. One of my most downloaded episodes I've ever put out there, and loads of people that are huge Fries fans were really, really kind. I received loads of emails, loads of DMs, and loads of messages from people saying just how much they loved it, and found this interview so interesting and so heartfelt. So thanks to everyone that tuned in and listened to that. But let's get back to today's episode. Joe Hartley is an absolute sweetheart, and this interview is one of my favourites. So let's get straight to it. So here's me and Joe talking TV, film, and so much more. Joe, thanks for joining me today on the Mark and Me podcast. Thank you for having me. It's wonderful to be here and great to to meet you. So Joe, what I want to do is for the listeners out there today is get an idea what it was that made you fall in love with the idea of being an actress? Was it an early experience of going to the cinema? Was it films that you loved or a certain performance? What was it that made you think, do you know what, that's what I want to do? I do remember, that's a great question actually. Thank you for asking that. It was, I was at a school called North Chatterton School um, and I was cast in The Sound of Music and I played Gretel and it was my first real acting experience. And I remember my Auntie Betty, she lived in New York. She works for Otto Preminger, you know, the film director. She came to see me. I had this experience where I was on stage, everybody was clapping, and it was the most amazing kind of feeling of being connected to something. And I kind of chased that ever since. I went to Oldham Theatre Workshop, I went to Questers. I kind of, my dad died when I was 17, and I went off and you know, got jobs and did, but I always in my heart wanted to be an actor. I thought it was for, you know, other people, people with lots of money in London and all the rest of it. And actually through my own hard work, self-belief and persistence, you know, I am where I am today because I never really gave up and acting and we all do it, you know, but there was something about this that I wanted to do professionally. It was like I said earlier to somebody, it's like a calling. It's like something that's within you. And I think you never really, you know, come to a point where you know everything. You're constantly learning, constantly experiencing. And um, it's really, I was reading a book, Carl Jung, the the little red book, it talks about active imagination. And it's, it's really about that. It's about using your own experience, your imagination and all the five senses and everything around you to try and tell these stories that are brought to you. And I think they do find you, it's like Jim Carrey was saying, wasn't he, that 
stories and parts, roles they find you. Um, and making good choices and working with good people. But I, I always knew, I just knew from that, you know, I, I watched a lot of the Scorsese films and I remember watching Once Upon a Time in America one Sunday night and just thinking, God, I really want to do this. I want to be an actor. You know? That's the right foundations, isn't it? When you're on Scorsese territory, you know that's going to be the place that you want to aim for. It was all the seventies movies like Cassavetes and, you know, I don't know, they, it's Francis Ford Coppola. It was what I grew up on really. Yeah. It was, just the best it's Spielberg was you know in there and just some of the very early movies that I saw I, I was obsessed with the Wizard of Oz from a very early age but stuff like the apartment with Jack Lemmon and the conversation and John Cazale as an actor I, obsessed really De Niro Street you know you're pulling out all the big ones out the bag right now like that's that's the reason I'd want to be an actor watching stuff like Raging Bull and these incredible things like The Godfather that's the ones that always make me go oh I love cinema it's the truth you know it's it's what I was around luckily if they were just out when I was at the right age to watch them and I just fell in love with all of them and um you know, it's it's very exciting that when you get that appetite and you want to follow it, it's like a calling, yeah. And, and what was it like when you were kind of turning around to your family and saying, this is what I want to do? Because some parents' nightmare would be that their child wants to become a musician or a rock star or an actor. When it's a world that's quite hard to break through in, were they supporting you the whole way? Were they like, you can do this, you know, we, we'll make sure we can do whatever we can? Or was it always a battle to kind of convince them that there is a proper job out there if you are in the right place at the right time and have the skills? Yeah, what a good question. That's a beautiful question because the other day, it was only about three or four weeks ago, I called my mum and, um, yeah, I was just going off to do another film called Sweet Caroline and it was a, it's a great part and it's a very sort of low-budget indie film, so I hope it works out. The edit's very important. We've had a great time and I hope that shows on screen, but I called her to say, without you, none of this would have been possible. And when I was little... My mum and dad, my dad died when I was 17, so he kind of missed out on the later years, but I'm sure he's, you know, I'm sure he's watching me somewhere now, I don't know. But mum and, and dad were super supportive. My brothers and uh, my brothers and my sister were as well. My mum would take me to Oldham Theatre Workshop on the 404 bus and drop me off and come back for me at nine o'clock and dad was working. They did everything they could and they have continued to do everything they, that they they can to support me in a really loving way. And I've never been told to get a proper job. And, you know, I've done promotions. I've worked as an air hostess. I've done I've been a secretary. I've done all sorts of stuff. But this was always the reason why I did those other jobs is so I could be flexible for an audition. This was always the thing I wanted. And my mom has always been the person that has told me that I can do it. And she said to me oh, you know, she's always said, don't think about the money, write the story, do the story, you know, go for the story, go for the, work with nice people, be a good person, go out there and do your best. And I've kind of followed that philosophy, really. It's great. I, I truly believe that if your heart's in it, and I don't mean when some people say they want to do something, it's not just saying you want to do it. I believe that if you really want it, you'll never settle for that other job. You'll never go and work in an office nine to five. You'll never work at weekends in a bar because you're kind of destined to become that role and talking to yourself and other directors and actresses, there's a big difference of saying you want to do something to actually committing and knowing it's the only thing you're actually made to do. And that's why I think you've been successful and got those roles because you wouldn't have accepted just the normal nine to five and like, oh, I'll do a bit of acting at weekends. It's the whole reason you want to exist. 
Yeah, I mean, I, you know, I, I left school at 16, did a YTS, worked at British Aerospace, and then I, I was kind of like, right, I need to travel. So I went and got a job on the airlines. I worked with Britannia for a couple of years, and I went, I went with a better company that I, I wanted to travel further, I guess. It takes you further, so Japanese airlines. That was a proper job. I was earning a lot of money at the age of 19. I did it for five years. It was a five-year contract, and I learned to speak Japanese. It was, I tried the proper job I tried to deny myself this calling because of the the I guess the, the rest of the society and the working class family and all the rest of it but my mom always said to me do what you love and and I eventually whilst working on the airlines I went to Questers which is in Ealing and I did like studied Stanislavski and Meisner and I studied like all that stuff I went to the actor's studio in New York I used to visit so it was kind of dragging me back to it all the time. I tried my best to be normal, but I don't really know what that is. My first introduction to your work, and I was a bit late to this film. Everyone kept telling me to watch it. It was always in the best British films of all time, Dead Man's Shoes. And I was actually quite late. I have to admit, I can't be the cool kid that said he was 16 and watched it. I was really late to seeing it. But it was a film that absolutely blew me away. And I wondered what it was like for you to work alongside Shane Meadows because he's one of the best out there. And I do truly believe now that this film is a British cult classic movie that will change your way of thinking in only one viewing. It's an absolute masterpiece. Well, thank you so much for that, Mark. And I, I really agree. And that was my first movie. That's crazy, isn't it? You know what? I met Shane. Uh, it was just Luke I was doing you know work I was at a party and I met somebody and they was an agent and they'd just been in front of the seven and they took me on and just done some little short films and guerrilla films we was hanging around with the cast and crew of 24-hour party people she as casting director had seen a short that I did and said look you've got to meet this agent the agent was Tony who'd been in 24-hour party people one day he called me and he said Shane Meadows is doing an audition for a commercial and I was like who's that and he said He's amazing. You you know, it was when his work was, I couldn't get his work from HMB. I went to meet him. I had to sing It's Raining Men by the Weather Girls and uh, <laughs> back of a taxi. He asked me, and on that job, he said to me, I've got this job that I'm doing. I'm going to send you the script. And the script for Dead Man's Shoes came through a couple of weeks later, and I went to the Nottingham cinema workshop and met Toby Kebbell and Paddy Constantine. I was absolutely blown away. Myself and Emily Aston, we did this workshop and then two weeks after I was cast in the film and I went and had four weeks with the whole cast and crew, although I'm only in it for a little bit at the end and throughout. This experience was like nothing else and that's why I love to be on things like Sweetheart and Sweet Caroline because it's people's first feature film. Yeah. There's a, there's a magical element where there's no money involved, there's no ego, it's just all creative energy there for one primary purpose and to make a great story but I think Dead Man's Shoes I remember I did a music video for Uncle and um, I met Ian Brown at the Stone Roses I'd always hung out in Hacienda with the Manchester scene but I'd never met Ian and a friend of mine Gary had given him this film and he said it was it was one of his favorite films and I, I just didn't know the depth and weight of it at the time and when I, you know, it's a difficult film to watch, but like Toby Kebbell's performance, Paddy as well, like unbelievable. Shane, Shane is a genius, and he, yeah. he's he's another. You know, I'm very lucky to have worked with him, and then gone on to make the 
the sort of iconic this is England and incredible amazing yeah. absolutely unbelievable and obviously with the comedy element and working alongside Ricky Gervais on Life on the Road and Afterlife I can't even imagine what it'd be like on set because he's like a big child and he, every interview I've seen I've been a fan <laughs> of his podcast I've been a fan of all of his work I couldn't imagine being able to go to work and try and keep a straight face it must be just an absolute blast to be alongside this talent and laughing all the time yeah he's 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 a bit he's such a magical person actually he's yeah super, super clever and really just very down to earth and funny and he brings the best out in people he really does like see um potential like shane meadows as well those kind of people within the industry really are very clever and they're very you know they're sort of pioneers really and they see the potential in others and they give them a, a, a platform to shine and being on set with Ricky I remember being terrified I remember going to meet him for my life on the road audition I've not seen I'm, I'm the cool I'm the uncool kid that had not seen the office or anything that's really embarrassing but wow honest honestly I think I was raving somewhere I'd missed the whole thing and I went in and I we just had the best, like, it was just a very normal meeting. And in the end, he just kind of said, I don't know what you like doing at the weekends. I was like, I don't know, stuff. And he just started laughing and he went, right, see you later. And I thought, oh, well, that didn't go very well. And then I got a call and had a second audition and then got the job for Life on the Road. I remember being going away then and watching all this stuff and thinking, oh, my God, this guy's a genius. Yep. And I went then to film and was terrified. But the first day was the day where we did the, the cumin scene. <laughs> Trying not to laugh, and he was in stitches. I thought, he's all right. He's all right, Ricky. And um, we've become friends, and I've come become friends with him and Jane. And luckily, he offered me a little cameo in Afterlife, and then from there, he liked the character, so I wrote more more of it. I'm very lucky. I, I just to, to call him a friend and a collaborator. I just hope that I get to work with him more because he's he's very good at what he does. He's a genius and just a wonderful person to be around. So as Shane is. And we talked about first-time directors, and obviously Marley Morrison, who you worked on with your most recent film, Sweetheart. It must be incredible to see someone with so much ambition, and you know, you just know that they're going to have an incredible career ahead of them. I did, Yeah, definitely. I, I've said that in many of the interviews I've done. Super smart, very ambitious, super authentic, honest, just really humble, lovely, honest story about part of it is, you know, part of Marley's own story as well. I, I always find that very courageous and and honest, um, but I just knew from the the script and the witty kind of one-liners and the scenes and the, you know, the investment in all characters, like my character has her own journey within this movie as well. She goes through similar things to AJ, you know, and that's why she en ends up with the identification and they, they've never really fallen out. It's just the dynamics of a relationship between a mother and a daughter. And, you know, my character's trying to, uh, you know, live, she's got the financial insecurity, she's trying to keep the family together. But um, I just think Marley's amazing and really, really sweet and interested in movies. And she loved This Is England and was a big fan of Shane. And, you know, you can always tell that somebody knows what they're talking about when they know their movies, you know. She was a real fan of John Hughes. and Oh, John Hughes. Yeah. But I know Marley's going to do great things. We will work together again at some point, I'm sure. Um, we've talked about it, so... Exciting. And what I like at the moment about this film is I thought your portrayal of Tina, the mother, was amazing. But what I really loved about the film is how heartfelt it was and importance about growing up and f the importance of family. And I won't go into too much detail because I don't like spoiling films for people. I like people hearing about it and then going to check it out. But 
isn't it such a good time for this film to come out when everything in the world is going to shit at the moment there's all this horrible pandemic there's all these wars and all this horrible negativity but when these films come out it just feels like a breath of fresh air yeah i love what you just said we're really missing that human connection there's nothing more than that communion is there and that identification that you get from simplicity like the story is really simply about the values of family love yep. and communication and that we're all different but we're all ultimately the same and we all have one primary purpose and that's to be seen to be loved and to be useful um and i just think this is a film that you've really captured it with with what you've said there and you know, we've had lots of things going on where we've all been separated and there's so much social media and so much opinion and so much anger. It's, you know, only from anger can you have anger, you know. From love, there's always a solution of love. It manifests what you your intention is. And I think with this film, our intention was to cover the everyday thing for everybody, but also, you know, it has topics in it that need to be addressed and that's great too. But like Marley said, you never really make a film to teach anybody anything. We just tell the truth and we hope that people will come on that journey. And the way that this story is told, it's light, it's fun, it's sweet, but it's very important. And, you know, it's, it's yeah, I, I do hope that people resonate with it and I do hope they go and see it and support it. I think indie cinema needs supporting. We, we don't want to lose it to these juggernauts of empty kind of nothingness with no feeling and it's all about how people look or the, the technology or whatever. It's great. All that stuff's got its place, but we want these little stories about people. You know, yeah. you want this human element to be kept in these stories. These stories are hard to tell because there's no money and there's no budget, but I think when any, when there's ever any sort of love or good intention involved, and there always is, I mean, everybody comes to a film with good intention, but there's one message there and it's to, to all understand that we all have a story and we all want to be seen. It doesn't matter what age you are, um, you know, where you're from or you know it's very important that the message of connection really and honesty what i really liked about it as well is it just felt genuine it felt real it's a story that people will take stuff from but also be able to relate to and they're the films that will stay with you forever they were like all the british classics that you just want to revisit and when you're having a bad day you can just put it on and it just feels like a warm cuddle a hug and truthfully i remember watching the film and as it ended my mom was texting me she's learned how to use whatsapp recently and it sounds really ridiculous but i just felt the need to put an extra little kiss when i said good night just as a little it just had that little feeling of just like the importance of family and just saying that extra I love you or something it just you know I wanted to end that day on a good note from this film so I took something massive away from your performance so thank you for that that is so lovely that you know those small acts make great ripples and it's so important how you know god it's so lovely that you said that I believe I believe I feel the same about it you know this film doesn't take itself too seriously but we take everything within it seriously and we all prepped we all did the best we could. We all really tried our best. And and um, it is important to tell people you love them and tell people that you're sorry. And it is important to be imperfect and to be wrong. Yeah. People want to be right all the time. I've been through that myself. I speak from experience. It's just driven by fear. It's not useful. You know, objective conversations about everything and, and inclusivity. And it's, it's a very big thing, um, you know, to talk about. It's a different topic, but... Hopefully the film opens the door for that, you know, the light-hearted love. Never take yourself too seriously, but 
you know consider others and um, their experiences and it's against the empathy that we talk about in afterlife as well Ricky talks about it a lot that, definitely that to see the me in you see that i love that you sent your mum an extra kiss that's so heartwarming it's not always good because now she's got whatsapp she's sending me random pictures and taking photos by accident and she's still not got the grasp of it but for that moment it was very sentimental and nice in that actual moment <laughs> couple of gifts like, oh my god how's what's this how do you make that work i sent my friend uh, the director of sweet caroline's birthday today brooke and i sent him a cake eating gift it's so uh, brilliant Just amazing <laughs> What I ask um, everyone on the podcast, and I've had upcoming directors, I've had people like Anthony Hopkins and Mads Mikkelsen who've been there and done it all, but what really blows me away is the response. Now, what advice do you give to people that are listening today that are either thinking about getting into film school or sitting there at the moment listening, thinking, that's what I want to do. I want to be in film. I want to be in TV because I've mentioned it on the start of today's interview. It's an industry that's really hard to break through in. But what advice do you give to those people to kind of stand above the rest and get noticed and, you know, go down that route that you did? Just be yourself, be authentic, do it for the right reason. Don't do it for fame or money because it's not going to serve you. Like be, be truthful to your intention and realize it's very, it's not hard work like being a, a, a doctor or a nurse or a surgeon or someone who's changing the world. It, but it's very, very hard work when you're constantly getting rejected. You've got to be, you know, um, strong and have self-belief pick a phone up make a film make a show reel you've got everything at your fingertips these days don't listen to people listen to your heart treat people well and create good relationships within the industry it's it's less about how brilliant and talented you are and more about the relationships you create and the opportunities you create for yourself through the way you treat others and actually your talent as your confidence grows because you have good relations with others will shine through and you'll it happened to me on in my skin and with ricky and as i got as i got a bit older and started to worry less about what others thought because my, my conduct was good i started to perform better i started to feel more confident and i could be more of myself and just don't give up do it for the right reasons and always make sure you include people and um yeah that's kind of all i can say and you know don't take yourself too seriously we're telling stories it's it's really important to be honest and truthful and some stories like we see that are, that are told are very important for specific reasons but take the work seriously don't take yourself too seriously and and, and let go of um you know what others think of you and follow your heart amazing advice and very honest and i love it and You've mentioned, I think, is it Sweet Caroline you've mentioned and that you're f filming at the moment, or is that right? Just finished. Just finished. We just wrapped. It was a three-week wow. shoot, six-day weeks. So I was in every scene. It was 12-hour days. It was amazing. Best bunch of people ever. Like, I think they were all under 30, and these filmmakers are just amazing. And with the, the script is hilarious. So hopefully... You're juicing us all up now, and we're all like, oh, when can we see it? But obviously it's a while off if you've only just finished filming. Yeah, well, it's a mockumentary movie kind of comedy, so it's a bit mad, you know. Yeah. The of it was very different. Um, it was a bit like King of Kong. It's like a Netflix documentary, so it's a spoof of that. But it's it's following a real person, myself, Caroline, and it's about her and her two friends go on this sort of escalator to find her missing marrow. I can't believe you just mentioned King of Kong. Everyone I talk to has never seen that documentary. Yes, I am someone who loves my films and knows lots, but these boys that are 
that have just given me this amazing job. Brooke, Brooke Driver and Finn Bruce told me about King of Kong and I watched it recently and it was very, very good and um, really helpful for research as was then after reading and um, the big Lebowski and, and all that sort of stuff. So, yeah. Do you know, I spent six months of my life trying to get Billy Mitchell to come on the podcast from watching King of Kong. I got Steve Wiebe, I got the referee Walter Day and it took me so long. He wouldn't do it because he's a villain and wants to come across and portray himself as this negative guy. It took me ringing his own shop where he sells chili sauce and his restaurant. I got hold of him. And he did 45 minutes interview and he's the nicest guy you can ever imagine. Probably shy. Like people don't want to talk about themselves, do they? They just want to like no. play and sell chili sauce. That's how it's <laughs> He did try and sell me some and I think I agreed to buy a crate of it if he came on the podcast, but I've not bought it yet. So if he listens to this, I will one day. Apologies. Apologies to the chili sauce. <laughs> and my, my final question, and I'm going to put you on the spot here, and I do it to everyone. So we're 180 episodes nearly on this podcast, and everyone has to do it. We've only got a couple of minutes left, but the outro music to the podcast is chosen by the guest. I put you on the spot, and it can be one song that means a lot to you. Now, I know this is going to be hard because you've obviously talked about your raving days, your indie days, Stone Roses, the Manchester scene. What is a song that would be perfect for you to end this episode on? So the interview's done, it's edited, the outro's recorded, and you want it to play knowing it's the song that you absolutely adore. And it can only be one song, and it can't be a DM in three days' time changing your mind. It has to be today. Temptation, New Order. Oh, what a song. Absolutely incredible. And no one's picked that yet in 108 episodes, so that's always good. I mean, I wanted to go for all sorts of things, nature boy, everything, but it's temptation, new order. Let's just keep it simple because I'm a Pisces and I will pick another three now and DM you. I'm a Pisces too. So yes, it's never easy to whittle it down. So uh, okay, 27th of February. Okay, good. 12th of March. No, right. let's go temptation, new order. I made a concise decision there. Did you like that? I loved it. And I'm like now thinking, are you sure that's your final answer? Are you sure you don't want to change it for stone roses or charlatans or I'm joking. Absolutely love all of those. <laughs> I should have gone for an oasis. No, I got to go. Temptation, New Order. Otherwise, I'd end up going for something like Frank Sinatra or Nat King Cole for my mum. But me, I'll go Temptation, New Order, and, and, and just keep it at that. Amazing. Joe, it's been an absolute pleasure to have you on the podcast today. Uh, I think we've got two minutes left, so I thought it'd be nice to give the team a couple of minutes back. But thank you so much for coming on. Oh, thanks so much, Mark. And I'm so glad that you're all right and we could do this. I would have come to the hospital maybe. And I know, that would have been... I wasn't even allowed my girlfriend in there uh, because of COVID. I got these big screens around me, these like, you know, big plastic screens and everything. And I felt like I was on the set of ET when they're taken off and everyone's being tested. And honestly, it was horrendous. So I'm so glad I'm out and feeling okay. And I'm so... I hope that I've made your day better today and, and brought some light to your day because you're such a wonderful human and I don't... That, that must have been a very difficult experience and um, bless everybody that's there. It's without, uh, without ending the episode on a negative, nobody has any idea right now how bad the hospitals are with COVID and everything else. There were seven ambulances that were taking nine hours to get the patients into the hospital. It was that busy. So it's not a good place, but... I'm out, the sun's out, it's all good, and we've got a great interview, so thank you. And can we just say thank you to all the amazing key workers then to end on a very positive, because we yes. don't know what done without them. That's, that's exactly it, it. yeah, that's huge. That's a proper job. Yeah, that's me sitting here recording podcasts and there's someone saving lives, but I've enjoyed today. I hope we can do a follow-up in a few months' time, it'd be brilliant. We will, let's do it, let's do it again. Thank Perfect. you so much.
and good luck with the rest of the press and I hope it all goes really well and the film release and everything else. Thanks, Mark. So there it is. There's my interview with me and the absolutely incredible Joe Hartley. You know from the moment we started talking, the chemistry was there. The conversation flowed so naturally and she really is an absolute sweetheart. I love the interview and I really do hope we can get Joe back on the podcast in the very near future. As I said at the start of today's episode, we're talking all about the brand new film Sweetheart, which is out now in the cinema. Go and see it. It's absolutely beautiful and what this world needs right now. There's so much negativity out there. The world's going absolutely insane every single day. So when we get these films, which are a complete breath of fresh air, go and embrace them because this film is an absolute masterpiece. I want to say a massive thank you for Joe for coming on the podcast, giving me your time and being such an incredible guest. If you're new to Mark and me and this is the first time you listened, there are another 160 episodes waiting for you out there. I have a huge range of guests from authors, actors, directors, musicians and so much more. But if you've been with Mark and me for a long time now, you know the score. Jump onto markandme.com because on there there's links to Facebook, Twitter and Instagram. It costs nothing to share this episode and it's all that I ask. If you've enjoyed the episode today, hit that share button, share it on your Instagram stories, tag people in on Facebook or tweet it out or even just give me a retweet. It gets the name out there and hopefully brings a whole new audience to the podcast. I also do have a Patreon page. For as little as £1 a month, you can sponsor the podcast and all that money goes right back into the product. It allows me to go out there and record more interviews for you guys at home, which means more and more podcasts for everyone. Not only that, each month, thanks to my amazing friends at Last Exit to Nowhere and also Vice Press, I've got some incredible t-shirts and posters to give away. Stay tuned on all my social media channels for more information on that, but I promise you over the next few months, I'm going to be giving away the best prizes I can. And this is exclusively to people that support me on Patreon. It means so much to have your support and it's my way of saying thank you back to you guys at home. I'll be back in only a few days' time with another brand new episode. So until then, take care, look after yourself, and I'll speak to you all soon. Words
surrounding Friends, I'm just 